um, at, at this church, one of the things that we um, love to do and one of the things that is central to who we are as a community is Jesus and his love. Um, we, we want to have everyone who's part of this community, uh, if you're engaged and invested, whether it's on Sunday mornings or in home groups or in service opportunities that we do together, we want you to be schooled in Jesus' selfless love. We want you to, to learn about it, to uh, come to know what it's about and how to give it in your life. In, this, in a way, we want you to be masters and become masters of Jesus' selfless love. And so th- what that takes in this, in this journey is a lot of learning about Jesus. Um, we, want, we want to know everything about him, who he was in his day and age, uh, and who he is today. And we also want to um, be, put you guys in opportunities where you'll be serving the community and learning to give that kind of selfless love that goes beyond just well-wishing people, but really the type of love which changes the world, which changes marriages and changes parent and children relationships and which uh, gets into the real evil of the world and with power pushes back. That's the kind of love we want to form in you as you come into this community. And we realize that there's, uh, we, we can go about learning about Jesus and we can go about giving it away, but there's an essential piece of the puzzle which this community is spending a whole year on, which is prayer. If we want to know Jesus as the great selfless lover of the world and want to be transformed into a type of person that the world experiences his selfless love through, we need to spend as much time with the living Christ as possible. We need to enter into his life, learn what it is to have fellowship with him. I mean, he's the expert, right? So we sit at his feet and learn what that's like. And so we've been talking about prayer for many, many weeks, and we'll continue on doing so. Uh, and in my life, I've, prayer, has, prayer has been a really powerful and essential part of my life. I've been trying to do this Jesus thing for, since I was like 14. So, um, you know, over half of my life now has been invested in Jesus, in his way, and learning what it is to follow him. And the prayer life has been kind of uh, an essential piece, too. I, it's waxed and waned. I mean, I, at the beginning of the prayer life, the, the journey of faith, we realize, oh, man, we have access to the living God who's all-powerful, and we start praying, and we give him all our hearts, and we give him our prayers, and then life starts to hit us back as Christians, as followers of God, and we start questioning what's it, what, how to pray, what, what's it about, why should I be doing this? And then as we grow and mature, we start to realize, oh man, my motives are so mixed. I'm coming to prayer because, man, I want to look good or I want to feel special or more important than other people. And then we start kind of backing away from prayer a little bit as, as we mature in the faith. But as we do so, and as I've, I've learned, you know, my prayer life has waxed and waned and sometimes I'm invested in prayer and sometimes I go weeks and months without even, you know, remembering whose life I'm living. And so as, as, as you do so, you come to a realization that there's a certain amount of time in the middle of our prayer walk, in the middle of our life of faith, where prayer kind of loses its way, or we lose our way in prayer. And, and you have to give yourself to that kind of way for a time, because your, your motives are being purified. You're, you're doing it for the right reasons. You're trying to wrestle with God. But at some point, we recognize, oh, and, and I did. I, I had to go for a long season of life without a specific quiet time, without time set aside. Because I, I couldn't do it with a pure motive. I couldn't do it right. And we have to go through that. But that's halfway there. In the life of faith, 
the mature life of prayer has some time devoted every day to entering and living and being in the presence of the living God. And so, as we enter in today to talk more about prayer, if you've missed the many prayer sermons so far, they're all online. You can catch up if you're zealous. If not, don't worry, I'll catch you right up today. Um, as we do so, as we enter into the prayer life, we've been talking about this image. And this image is a ruined set of ruins with a giant tree growing on top. And it symbolizes for us David, King David's school of prayer. King David was an Israelite king that lived thousands and thousands of years ago, way before Jesus. And him and his Israelite tradition, which followed him, created some of the most beautiful prayers and delved into the life of prayer so deeply um, that we still have 150 written of their prayers in our Old Testament, which are the Psalms. And they're beautiful, and, and you get inside of them, and they express every human emotion, and they teach us to enter into the life of prayer. But that house was ruined. And then there was a great promise after David's house was ruined. A branch, a shoot shall rise out of David's house. And this tree that has grown up symbolizes Jesus' way of prayer. And Jesus puts his teaching and all of his uh, teaching us how to pray right on top of David's uh, David's. Uh, prayer ruins and has grown up for 2,000 years into a massive tree. So what we're doing in all of this is we're, we're, we are paying attention to Jesus' way of prayer, as I'll show you. But in this many weeks, we're entering into these ruins, into these beautiful prayers and asking, what does it take to develop a life of prayer? So this is, uh, this is the way of David here. Here's David in a different light. Uh, he's on his knees praying before the Father. And as he does so, we recognize that his main point, his main focus is making contact with God. Oftentimes we think the prayer life means asking for things. Bring all of our requests. And yeah, it does mean that. But that's not the major goal where our eyes are on. Our major goal in praying is to make contact with the living God. And David says this all across the Psalms. And I showed you two last week that link this up for us. And there's a dozen more. So I'm just going to keep showing you what David's talking about here. Psalm 11:4. The Lord is in his holy temple, says David with great confidence. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. Which is a great teaching. It's kind of scary. All of us, every single person in this room, God is examining the earth and his eyes are on us. And what's our response? Do we cower away and say, God, don't look. I don't want you to, it's too, it's too, uh, too vulnerable. David says in response to that, he's like, but my eyes, God, are fixed back on you, sovereign Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. And in that particular psalm, apparently he was feeling like he was vulnerable even to death. And so praying becomes... Seeing and looking and seeking the God who you believe sees you. That's praying. That's our hope is to do that and to make contact in that way with the living God. Um, a little note about David. We'll continue to delve into his life in the next many weeks. But here's David. I mean, right, King David, we might have some idea of who he is. But if you read his story, man, he's not always a good dude. We, we read his story and we see David sinning. And we see David loving, and we see him conditioned by the morals and assumptions of his barbaric day. He does a lot of war, and it's a brutal culture. He has eight wives. He gets angry. He gets devious. But he's also generous, and he's also sometimes dancing before the Lord. And the central piece of who he is is a person who's seeking the heart of God, 
And that's what God loves. And if, if God can love David and want his prayers, he can want and love any of us, no matter who we are or what we've been or what we've done. The centerpiece is, are we seeking after him? Is everything in our life built around God? Now, as we make contact with God, one of the things I wanted to mention just briefly today, I mean, it's an important point, but here, here if, if our life of prayer isn't about making contact with God, no wonder sometimes it can go cold. Our prayer life can go cold. We can get frustrated and be rebellious even and angry at God because we don't actually connect with him. How long has it been since you can say, I've actually made a connection with the living God. I've felt his stirring inside of me. Maybe my prayers haven't been answered in the way that I wanted to, but when I pray, when I set time aside, there's actually something to connect with. And if we don't have that, no wonder sometimes we can give up on prayer. And so uh, that's why it's important that the whole goal here in this whole uh, searching after God and journeying after God is we want the experience. We want to make contact with him. And that can happen in so many ways, but there are also some universals, some universal truths about how to pray and how to do this. And in David's way of praying, as I'm continuing to unfold for you, there's kind of these three phases of prayer. I'm inviting you to think about not just coming and, I mean, it's okay to come to God and just blurt everything out and that be it. Like simple, that's called simple praying. And that's just fine. God loves and accepts and here's simple praying. You come to him, you have two minutes, and you've got a few curse words for the king. That's okay. You know, that God loves that. But if we want to go deeper, if we want to build up a life of prayer, there's got to be three distinct phases. One of them we enter in and prep. Like, a, like a, an athlete who's getting ready to run a race or to do something uh, physically enduring. Because prayer, friends, is, is hard sometimes. It takes focus and it takes some endurance. Um, we need to prep. We need to have a preparatory phase where we warm up. And if we don't have the warm-up kind of phase of prayer, no wonder sometimes we can't make it past everything into making contact with God. But then we have the active phase, which over the next many weeks is where I'll teach most because what do we do when we get in there? When we get into the mentality of prayer, we prep ourselves and get ready, what do we do? And I'll talk so much about that. There's so much to say. But then the third phase is passive, and David gets into this so beautifully, where he talks about gazing at God and, and the feeling that your love, O oh Lord, is better than life. Those who look on him are radiant in Psalm 34. We sing that song together sometimes in this community. Those who look on God are radiant. This is the, ex the experience of your heart being at rest, finding a bit of peace, and all you're doing is existing and living within the warmth of God's love. And if we don't do the, the first and last side of, of praying, I think we're missing a, a great deal of what prayer is about. So, um, again, I'm not going to teach you to be a monk or a nun. I'm not asking you to become a professional prayer. But if you want to grow a little bit, take some heed here. Take some advice. Um, I'm going to just kind of blow through this quickly. Last week, we talked about the preparatory phase. Um, we need some warm-up strategies. We need to ask God. If we're not asking God... To, for help at the beginning of prayer, oftentimes we're going to fall and trip and stumble. Make sure to ask God for help praying as you warm up. Do some breath prayers. Take some deep breaths in. Take some deep breaths out. Use that as a way of telling God, I want all the goodness of you in. 
and on all the badness inside out. That's a good thing to do with warm up. Find the pain. Where's the pain at? In your body, in your heart. Invite Jesus in. These are all good warm up thoughts. As we continue to think about warming up, and all the, the rest of today is going to finish off about this warm up preparatory phase. There's two more things that are important here atmosphere, the atmosphere in which you uh, set, time, set time aside to pray, and then the sincerity. Are you coming with a mask on? Or are you coming with you? Because if we come with the mask on, we'll say all the nice words, but it won't mean anything. So we'll get into that. As we do so, Psalm 5 is our gateway. It's one of David's lovely prayers, Psalm 5. We're going to dig, dig deep here first into Psalm 5, and then I'll show you how David teaches us to do some prep. So Psalm 5, to the leader for the flutes, the Psalm of David. This, these, you'll see at the beginning of the Psalms, you'll see a lot of these kind of who's this for, who's it written by. These were added at a later date, so they're kind of accurate and sometimes not. But um, anyway, all, all that to say, this one is for the flutes. How many flautists are in the audience today? Okay, this one's for you. Dude, okay, good for you. Um, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Give heed to my sighing, David prays. Listen to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I plead my case to you. Psalms 3, Psalms 4, and Psalms 5 all begin with uh, either the word morning or evening. Psalms 3 and 4 talk about bringing, laying on your bed at night and thinking of God. And then Psalms 5 talks about in the morning. And this is probably clustered in order to teach us that we should pray regularly throughout the rhythms of the day. Give ear to my word, O Lord. I love how this psalm starts off. So many of David's psalms start off with a bit of a uh, demand. We think we should come to God, O dear Lord. Jesus, our heaven. Well, Jesus teaches us to come that way. He's like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Come with praise. But David so often comes with a bit of a demand. Hear me. I'm here to pray. And you, God, all king of the universe are going to hear me pray. I love this. I give heed to my sighing. Listen to the sound of my cry, my king and my God. And when David does this, and I would encourage you to do this as well. Come to God with demands to be heard. <laughs> Have the right heart, though, because, listen, he addresses him here. My king and my God, for to you I pray. I love this. David's not just demanding, he's demanding something and showing his devotion at the same time. He's coming to the king. He knows it's the king. You're going to hear me, but I'm going to recognize that you're king. I love the beginning of this prayer. Listen to the sound of my cry. My king and my God, for to you I pray. And David's reminding God, hey, I'm not going to my bank account. I'm not going to king so-and-so. I'm coming to you. And David does this. He asks to be heard. He asks to be reminded, or he, he asks God to, to hear him, but he also reminds him of his devotion. Oh, Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I plead my case to you. David's, David is writing a prayer here, but he's also teaching us, right? He's teaching us how to, how to pray. And you don't get a lot of specific teachings with David, but here you have one. Oh, Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I plead my case. And he's saying, be like me. Do this. Do this like I'm doing. So he goes on. I'll, I'll say a few things here. Uh, one last thing, actually. Uh, when we get into the many sermons coming up on the active form of praying, I'm going to teach us the little formulas which David uses. And, and we can memorize some of them and, get, and use the formulas in our, in our own minds. And so as, I'm not going to give too much, of a, a, too much more of a thought here today. But listen. Look how he's putting his prayers together. And we can match these templates. They're, they're so beautiful. 
so David goes on. Okay, he's, he's demanded God's attention. He's shown his devotion. He takes a knee. He's kind of firm, but then backs down. And then he goes on. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil will not sojourn with you. The boastful will not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful. And we go, how many of us have actually like included something like that in our prayers? <laughs> David here is reminding God of his character. He's like, I know you, God. And we might, we might have some issue with some of these ways in which David sees other people, which I think I'll get into this later. But some of it has to do with David's own drama drama, dramatic qualities. He, he's a drama king sometimes. Um, but also he, he knows God and knows, knows that um, the bloodthirsty, those who are just out after other people's wealth and to drain them of their resources, God does not like that. And God is a God of justice. And David is reminding God of his character. But I, says David, through the abundance of your steadfast love will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in awe of you. He's recognized God's character, and now he's, he's showing God his humility. And remember how important it is for us to come into God's presence humbly. David shows us that he's willing to speak boldly to the king, but he's also going to express his humility. I will bow down towards your holy temple and all of you. And all of this is beautiful things to say to God in our prayers. And then he goes on, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness, Again, he, he points out God's, God's beautiful character, characteristic of righteousness. Lead me, O Lord, in righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. And, and Jesus' own prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven rings here. Make your way straight before me. I want to do your will. He goes on. For there is no truth in their mouths. Their hearts are destruction. Their throats are open graves. They flatter with their tongue. And they, David's basically saying like their breath stinks. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels because of their many transgressions. Cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. And for whatever reason, and there's a lot of this in David's praying, he's tattling. He's tattletaling on other people, <laughs> pointing, out, pointing out their faults and asking, him, asking God to rescue, rescue him from them. Now, I don't know, I can be kind of a drama drama-ish kind of person too. And when I pray, when I get a chance to pray, when I'm having a struggle with someone or someone in my life, I don't fully understand where they're coming from and they're coming at me in ways that I don't feel like I don't deserve. I love these prayers. Like, God, just what are, what's up with them? Protect me. It's their problem, not mine. You know, and that's okay because God usually comes back around to, okay, let's shine a little bit of light on your issue here, Keith. He usually does that. But you know what? We have to come, as I'll just emphasize shortly, briefly, with sincerity. And here's David coming as sincerely as he can. But let all who take refuge, and now he's praying for his people. As a king, he's praying for all who are taking refuge in you, God rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them so that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover them with favor as with a shield. The question in mind here, the word that's stressed here is favor. What does it look like to have favor with God? Because that's a promise that we will have favor as his people. Um, and we look straight to the cross for that because sometimes God protects us from outward destruction. And sometimes 
we get wrapped up in evil so much on the inside of it, sometimes there's suffering. Sometimes there's pain and hardship. But the promise endures. The promise stands for those who will trust in the living God that those who take refuge in him will be sheltered. This, is a, this, is, this isn't like everyone in the world. This is like, this is the teaching that you can choose to take shelter in this life in God or you can take shelter in all sorts of other things. But everything else that I know of and everything else that David knew of wasn't good enough. It, was all, it would all collapse at some point. Or if you, maybe you're just out in the wilderness doing it on your own. I can just do this on my own. You will be crushed. This life will crush you. It will crush us all. What the promise is, is if, if you choose to take refuge in God, he will shelter you, and he will protect you, and he will cover you. This is the mystery of the cross, friends, but the promise stands. Um, and so as David finishes off his prayer, he pleads for faithful people. He asks them to feel the joy and to feel the gladness of being sheltered under the king of the universe. It's a lovely prayer, isn't it? Lots of real, real stuff there. Um, but I'm going to focus in on atmosphere and sincerity. And David at the beginning says, Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I plead my case to you and watch. But through the abundance of your steadfast love, he says at the end, um, I will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple. Um, whether you're a beginner in prayer or whether you're far along the way, uh, we need to have an atmosphere set up for praying. And David uses, in his day and age, the imagery of um, creating a spot in the morning in which he's going to plead his case to God. It's, gonna, it's a time set aside, devoted to pleading his case. And he longs to bow towards God's holy temple. He's recognized that, that the actual physical act of bowing, getting on one's knees and putting one's head down, at the king's feet, or his perfect atmosphere to prayer. Uh, so when you pray, friends, when you do so, when you carve some time out of your life to come into God's presence, here are a few important points about the atmosphere that you, we have to create. We have to choose a time that's filled with the least obstacles. What's that time in your life? Do you have kids? Do you have responsibilities? At the end of the day, are you just exhausted? Is your best time from 9.30 to 9.45 or in the morning? When's your best time? You know it. I don't know it. Uh, find the best time and find a way to spend some time with God during that time. This, this is what this is about. It you know, could be in a chapel, in a garden, in a place that's devoid of obstacles perhaps. Um, now, I mentioned this earlier in my story. Like, um, sometimes we have, to, um, we have to catch ourselves in, in these moments where we're trying to, to devote a little time to God because we can get discouraged in them. When the human person, when the human spirit gets in a mechanical routine, this time every day, that time every day, it, it sort of builds a bit of resentment up in us. Uh, rebellion even, perhaps. And so we have to watch for that. Is the time of day you, you're choosing working? Is it not? Change it up. How many people are weightlifters out there? 
Here's what I know about weightlifting. If, if, if you keep the same regimen for like three months three, or three weeks straight, your body gets used to it. And you can do all of the right movements, but your body has learned to compensate. It needs something fresh. It needs different movements. Can I get an amen from the one person out there who raised their hand? I guess I work to do, friends. Um, choose a time, and, but keep watch over it. Is it getting mundane? Is it getting boring? Change it up. Find a way. For me, um, I love to sort of lay down and pray. I love that, but it doesn't work. I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm just going to pray to God. Um, I, I don't fully like kneeling either. I mean, it's sort of, I've got kind of a lanky body. It doesn't work. I just, I need to sit down. I need to, 9.45 in the morning, I need to sit on a seat, create a 15, 20 minutes of space, and I need to devote that specific atmosphere to praying. What's yours? You got to find it. But whatever the case, what you're after here is tranquility and silence and a bit of peace. And again, um, this is a universal if we're going to enter deeper into the life of prayer, we need this space in our lives. Um, there's so much to say there, but I'm going to kind of move on. Um, so start with atmosphere. Find a spot. Find a time. Okay, it doesn't have to be long. And uh, create some time to, to pray. I love this picture. Oh. I call this Jesus Goes to Quetico. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we don't have that big mountains. Okay, never mind. Jesus did this, friends. If he needed to do it, we need to do it. Okay, it's, it's just that simple. It's a universal. Um, find some time, find some peace and tranquility and devote it to prayer. Now, second piece, sincerity. David was just, <laughs> I love David in this way. He's, uh, he's so sincere in this prayer. You hate all evildoers. Make them bear their guilt. Fall by their own counsel. Cast them out, God, for they've rebelled against you. And I can just imagine God, like, kind of just silently sitting and just taking it. He's like, at the end of the day, he's going to tell us who have these kind of thoughts, I've got this taken care of. You don't need to tattle on them. I've got this. Uh, but God's going to listen to it. In um, Psalm 22 and 23, two of David's psalms, Put right next to together. They each start like this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. So like uh, David's just, in, he follows his emotions, right? Wherever he's at, he's going to come with sincerity into God's presence. And however he's going to feel, um, he's going he's to bring it in. We, we can't wear masks in God's presence. It doesn't work. Um, it's not helpful. If you feel cold going into praying, if, if you come in here on a Sunday morning and you are just so angry because of X, Y, and Z, when you, when you stand up, when, when Rhonda or Matt or someone invites you to stand and it's time to worship, you don't have to sort of put the mask on. You should come to God at that point and say, God, I'm so angry. I don't want to be here right now. I want to, I want to go tell someone off. Or... Um, some of us come into prayer circles, especially in public, and we say, oh, God, we love you. You are the great God. And that's a lovely prayer. Don't get me wrong, if that's how you feel. But if you come in feeling like, you know, I don't want to be here right now. I feel cold and like I have other things to do. It's a great way to start. God, I feel cold. I don't want to be here. Period. <laughs> And he'll hear that prayer and honor that. Uh, and friends, if we come in with our sincerity, 
in that time where we're taking a deep breath, if we start our prayers with a bit of recollection, a bit of sincerity, I promise you, I promise you that it goes from there. God works with what you give him and God starts to touch us. But if we come in with a mask on and if we come in ready to run without a time of recollection, oftentimes we just stand so far and so, so heavily in the way of God that he's, he can't get at us. And we, we struggle to get at that um, desire to connect with him. So we admit the truth. Um, <laughs> one, one writer talked about um, coming into prayer, feeling speared by javelins of mystical love. And then he said, most of us have nothing to do with javelins of mystical love, do we? <laughs> it's just not very often how we come into understanding. It's okay. We don't have to come in pretending. Um, we come in with um, our desires to be real and to join in, in, into the heart of God. Oops. You'll get a poem there from Mary Oliver in a minute. I did want to say that um, many of you are in seasons of life where this seems impossible. You've got your kids. You've got your responsibilities. You've got so many things weighing on you. And you're saying, how can I build my life like this? How can I even begin to transition from where I'm at now? And, and the reality is that some of you are in a spot where you can't. God knows that. And so pray throughout the day. Pray constantly. Pray as much as you can. Look up to him, up to the heavens, in every situation you possibly can remember. And that's good. That's all right. Um, but the question at the end of the day is, what are we building our lives around? Who are we building our lives around? Who are we, what, what are, who are we looking to our, for, for our sustenance and safety? And if you're in a season where you need a break from 15 minutes of praying, okay, take it, as long as you need. Um, but I invite you, at some point, that's the halfway point. At some point, keep maturing and realizing we all need a devoted space with a good atmosphere of praying. Um, we must come back, we must come back to devoting some time to God free of distraction. Um, because what I'm, I'm hoping for, what I'm inviting you into is, is, is to say there is a, there's a at least 4,000 year tradition and I can testify to it which says when we give ourselves to this way of life, we, we won't just feel stirrings of mystical love but when we look up to the heavens we'll sometimes see something or someone strangely looking back. We'll feel that deep inside of us. Something, will, a voice will speak to us. A, uh, an idea will come to us which we've never thought of before. Uh, a thought will come to us which dispels a, a lie which we would continually believe about ourselves. Um, and this is, this is the way of praying. I love Mary Oliver, just um, bless her soul. She just passed, I think this last week, a great poet. And um, honor her today and to, to get us into the prayer life. I'll read this to you, one of her great poems on prayer. Praying doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. That's recollection. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks. Oh, sorry, Mary. 
into thanks in which another voice may speak. So here's, friends, keep reading the Psalms. As we go forward, I'm going to encourage you, keep reading. Reading as many of the Psalms as possible. Uh, five a day would be a good start. Um, come to home groups. Now this, you may have saw that, seen that. Uh, home groups are, are meeting um, every other week uh, at various nights of the week. If you want to be a, a part of a home, gr- home group, come on this Thursday night at 7 o'clock. There's a dessert night. Um, you get some sweets. And you get to know all about how these home groups home groups work. This isn't a commitment. This is just you exploring what home groups are about. But home groups are a wonderful place where we learn to give attention to God. We don't, this is not a Bible study. There is a Bible, there's a scripture reading, there is Bible involved. This is less of a Bible study and more of a spiritual friendship group in which we learn the practices of prayer and listening to the voice of God together. So Sunday mornings are great to do this. Home groups are even better, I think. Um, Keep reading the Psalms. Join up into a home group. When you pray, warm up. Give some sincerity. Let God know where you're at. Do some recollection, some deep breathing. Put yourself in an atmosphere that's conducive. Um, sit down with your week. Do this this afternoon. Find two 10-minute times. If, if, if you're saying this is really hard, I, I can't do this. Or even if you really are like, no, I think I can do this this week. Sit down with your calendar and pick two 10-minute time slots in which you're going to uh, devote to prayer. If you want to build your life around God. If you can't do that, I would, que- I, I would ask you, question what your life is built around. Uh, and tell God when you enter how you really feel. So friends, uh, prayer, life of prayer. Let's warm up when we pray. And uh, when, we, when we meet next time, when we uh, go in, into uh, our next sermon next week, I'm going to talk about the active form of praying. Introduce you to all the activities which we can do in, in, in the active form. And then we'll, we'll go into the passive form as well. But the, the invitation now is this. When, when you enter into the presence of the living God, expect something. He's living. He's there. He's active. And build your life in a way where you can touch him and he can touch you back. Not sure where this lands in your life or what God would invite you to say to him or change about your life, but he knows. And so this is a good moment now, as we do every week, to take a piece of bread, dip it in some juice, and to eat it and digest it. And Jesus says to his disciples, every time you gather, at every gathering, do this in remembrance of me. Remember who I am. Remember that I'm about to go through a purifying sacrifice. Remember that... I'm going to to die a horrible death, but I'm going to prove that God is with his his people. I'm going to be raised again on the third day as a a foretaste, as the first fruits of what will happen to all who are in him. And he will raise and be seated at the right hand of the Father where he'll be praying for us for all eternity. And he's inviting us, friends, to join in that. So whatever you need to do now, whatever you need to say to God, you have a couple more songs to do it with. The table is set. Everyone here is welcome.